Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your online podcasting services. We are there. Very special program today. I want to introduce my guest, California State Assemblywoman Lori Wilson. Assemblywoman Wilson represents District 11 in Northern California, which encompasses Solano County and parts of Contra Costa County. In August of 2022, she was elected as chair of the California Legislative Black Caucus for the 2022-2024 legislative session. Prior to that, she served as mayor of Sassoon City from 2018 to 2022. Assemblywoman Wilson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. You're very welcome. Uh, before we begin, I know you announced a significant health issue a while ago. Uh, I just want you to know our hearts and all of our uh, goodwill and all of our feelings are, are are with you right now. We stand behind you. We stand for you. We support you. And just to let you know that anything you need, we are here for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Everybody has been sending their love and I definitely feel it. And my spirits remain high as I'm in my second phase of treatment, which is chemotherapy. And, um, but what's absolutely been wonderful is just how gracious people have been. And I think when sometimes people ask like, what can I do for you? I'm like, make sure you get screened. Mm. Uh, early detection is key always with cancer for saving lives. Mine was somewhat, it was in an early, early stage, not early detection, but an early stage. And, um, so that is, was very helpful for me. And I did get regular screenings and found out on my regular screenings. So that's why those are so important. Excellent. Excellent. Every year I do a show with Pamela Ratliff and uh, she's with the Stanford Cancer Institute and they do an African-American women's uh, breast cancer um, seminar every year. So always trying to get that information out there and about screenings. And so thank you for sharing that with uh, our viewers. OK, let's get into it. So um, what do you think are some of the, the most pressing issues facing uh, Californians in general and maybe some more specific to Solano and, um, and District 11? I think um, for Californians in general, they still are very much concerned about the economy, um, the rising cost of things, so inflation and the access to good quality jobs. It's not that they're not out there, but being able to access those, especially in the you know many places of suburbia, which is very true for District 11. Another issue, um, it is also rising cost, um, is housing. Um, the rising cost of housing and the access to affordable housing. And it doesn't, I don't mean necessarily low, low income affordable, just affordable for the wage that you make um, within a reasonable uh, distance from the job that you have. That is still a, a major issue in California and something that the legislature, especially last year, um, had some significant legislation put forth about and, and hoping to see the results of that in the coming year um, and additional construction to be able to make up our housing shortage. Um, now that you've been in Sacramento a little while and how are some of these issues addressed at the legislative level? Because I know, uh, people see, you know, the new snippets on TV and, but, but, you know, legislating is a long, tedious, sometimes difficult process. So, uh, from your perspective, some of the things you've seen, um, maybe how are some of these issues getting addressed? So at the federal level, it's a bit more difficult um, because there is such this gridlock and a battling of parties and control. However, when you get to California, you get to a supermajority of Democrats. And sometimes people think that's going to pass quickly. No, it just means that you have more people to work with to get to 41. 
um, which makes it easier uh, for legislation, easier for um, you know those working groups to come up with a solution. And that's really how the work is done in uh, and here in California is a lot of working groups, a lot of collaboration with various members on a particular topic and then coming up with what they think that key solution is. And then of course, working with stakeholders to determine like what's the best way um, to get this across the finish line. Sometimes you can have a great bill idea at a high macro level, but then when you get into the details, uh, it could get a bit harder um, figuring out, well, how do we you know, mitigate the unintended consequences of this particular bill? And so I think that you see a bit of that in California. And sometimes that makes the news and people get concerned. They think, is this like the federal level? No, exact opposite. Hmm. It's the, it's what should be happening. It's very collaborative, very, very much a negotiation style of how do we figure out what's best? Cause we all know, we all think we know um, what is best, but how to get best. That's where we tend to differ at, tend to work through, through committees and, and like I said, working groups and such. Um, this is budget time, obviously, the budget due on June 15th. Uh, what's your thoughts on the budget, the process, and do you think we'll make that deadline? We'll definitely make the deadline. Everybody's committed to the deadline. Um, and the way we've changed the structure of having to have things in print in advance and things of that nature, you don't see um, the issues we used to have with the budget before where, you know, legislators spending the night because you can't but pass the budget. Um, we also have a supermajority, so we have the votes necessary um, to pass the budget. And the budget really is um, a negotiation between what we call the big three, uh, the governor, the Senate pro tem, and the um, speaker of the assembly. And um, so they negotiate. And then, you know, we and the legislature support, you know, those negotiations. So I think we'll get there. The issue this year is basically a carryover from last year. Last year, when we were budgeting, we forecasted projected, not real, but projected based on, you know, the information we had at the time that we'd had almost a hundred billion dollar surplus. Mm -hmm. And that was the projection. Um, and so then we, we built a budget around this expectation that we'd have almost a hundred billion dollars in additional resources that by law we had to then distribute mm -hmm. in some form or fashion. And so what you saw in fall, people were hearing like, oh, you know, the uh, California's in crisis. There's a budget deficit of like $44 billion that the legislative analyst office is coming out with. But I want people to keep this in mind. One, this budget is still the second largest budget in California's history. Wow. Second largest budget. What it was, the 44 billion, it says, hey, we projected a $97 billion um, surplus, almost $100 billion surplus. And we are short on that projection by $44 billion. Now, the governor in January did his budget and turned in one that was about 25 short of that 100, almost 100. So just say at 75 billion plus. And then in um, the May revise, he talk, knocked off another 9 billion of that. Um, and so those are one-time monies or, or projects that we were saying we were going to spend um, to make some headways in some areas we wanted to make a headway in, like climate change, um, cost of living increases, uh, for our workers, um, state workers, and uh, who are involved in state programs, you know, Medi-Cal rates, things like that, um, that we aren't going to be able to do because we don't have that hundred billion. We only have, um, I think, right now it's somewhere around fifty billion programmed um, in there, and so that's that's the issue. And so I don't want people to be so alarmed that they think we can't pay our bills. We absolutely can. Like I said, second largest budget 
in history we are experiencing right now. We have enough cash to cover every single bill we have. Um, so we're good financially positioned. It's just that we have this large amount of money um, and we spent, we programmed that money, not yet spent it, but programmed it and then not able to do it. It's the same thing if somebody told you, hey, at the end of the week, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars. And then at the end of the week, it came. So in your mind, you're already spending that money. Exactly. And then by the time you got to the end of the week, somebody's like, oh, well, I'm going to give you $200. <laughs> That's very different than a thousand dollars. And so that means it'd be very different in how you, you, you'd have to adjust. Well, okay. Maybe I can't, you know, go to Vegas now. Right? <laughs> so we're, we're just going to go to like, you know, um, oh, we, I was about to say Disneyland, but you know, that's very expensive. That's probably just as expensive. Yeah, Vegas. probably also more so. Discovery yeah. <laughs> Kingdom you know, is now the, the trip instead of, um, instead of uh, Vegas. But it's it's that similar thing. So they, uh, the, the governor put out, I think, a solid budget. You know, the assembly has some priorities that we want to see, um, especially surrounding climate change. And then um, the Senate definitely has some priorities they want to see. And I think we'll, we'll figure out um, whether we're using reserves or not. The governor has a hard position not using reserves. Um, the Senate and the Assembly have talked differently about using reserves. Um, and so we'll see, you know, where we end up. But that deadline is coming up. And uh, at the end of the day, we will meet that deadline. <laughs> Uh, now, you first went to Sacramento last uh, year, I think it was on April of 2022. Uh, yes. And then about an hour later, you were chair of the California Legislative Black Caucus. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me about that. How did that come about? And uh, maybe what are some of the issues you guys are working on? I think for me, you know, it was a great opportunity um, to work with my colleagues. There are 12 members of the Legislative Black Caucus. Um, these are 12 legislators from the North and, you know, the South. And um, when I, I was chair-elect in, in August and officially took uh, the title in December, and so we had a change of two, we lost um, one of our senators, we didn't lose, one of our senators got upgraded to Congress, um, and then we got a wonderful replacement, and then another one um, went on to uh, be the first uh, sheriff, Black sheriff of Sacramento, and I think the only second or third in the history of California. Um, so both of them got upgraded in a way, and we we have great replacements um, for them. And so for me, what it means to be Black Caucus Chair is really about how do we elevate Black Californians on every single issue across our great state. The issue with having only 12 is that uh, we represent various aspects of the, of our state. Um, however, you know, there are, we don't represent Central Valley, but yet they need black representation in California. Absolutely. We need to keep them in mind. You know, I was raised in the Central Valley. I'm a Fresno girl, born and raised. I was a whole adult. I can drink alcohol before I left. So <laughs> I always say I'm a, I was a Central Valley and I raised Northern Californians. This is where they call their home, but I was, I am a Central Valley girl at my core. And so I care about the issues that are impacting black Californians in the Central Valley. And so, you know, with my leadership, my focus has always been about how do we elevate the issues of Black Californians, no matter the subject, whether that's economic, transportation, health, education, doesn't matter the subject, because every single one of those issues is a Black issue. But also, how do we ensure that the voices that are underserved and underrepresented, because they don't have that voice in the capital, that we are that voice. So that individually, I might be representing, not I might be, individually, I am representing District 11. However, when I'm in that room with the 11 other legislators, we are representing Black Californians, all of them, no matter where they live. 
no matter who their legislator is. And so that's been um, the key focus of mine and making sure that that is, you know, part of that legacy that continues on beyond me is um, really focusing in on those areas that aren't, haven't been traditionally represented by Black leaders. Uh, I know you've worked really hard uh, on the End Slavery in California Act. Uh, maybe you can tell me about that, the progress of status, and uh, what are your hopes to achieve with that legislation? Yes, we are underway on that and having lots of good discussion on the Senate side, um, as well as our coalition um, to ensure we get this across the finish line this year. So this is ACA 8. Um, this says that in our language, in our current constitution, we have language that says slavery is prohibited and voluntary servitude is prohibited, except, mm -hmm. except there's an exception there. And so this legislation is about removing that ex exception. It has to go through the assembly, has to go through the Senate, and then it goes to the voters. It's not even something that's signed by the governor. When we do constitutional amendment, those we have to go to the voters and ask the voters to sign it. So right now that we have the same exact language that we had last year that didn't make it on the Senate side. So our strategy this year has been to work with senators who have concerns about the language, not for the value of it or the morals of it, but just the economic impact to the mm -hmm. state. Now, I happen to not um, prioritize the economic impact to the state over a moral value. Um, in that way, I get it. I, my background is finance as accounting. Numbers matter. I think the Civil uh, War was fought over that, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, I, I, so I'm working through of like, how do you mitigate that impact? Um, so that what, we, what happens with this law is it's not litigated in court later, that we're very clear what we put to the voters is pure. Um, so they can clearly vote on it and vote according to the morals. And that we have key legislation associated with it that protects are incarcerated individuals so that they don't have to battle this out in courts, um, which can be a pretty costly affair. Um, and so that's what we're working through right now is ensuring that, um, you know, definitions are correct um, because what, uh, you know, the focus of, of being an in, in, uh, incarcerated is rehabilitation that is actually in the title, right? Uh, Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're, uh, that that's the focus. And so it might be involved working um, as a part of your rehabilitative process, but it shouldn't be that's in involved with a punishment because that's involuntary servitude where I'm making you work under threat of punishment. And that's what exists now. People are not allowed to see their families. They're not allowed to, their credits that they got, they've gained credits to be able to get out of prison early. And then if they refuse to go show up to work that day by saying I'm sick, they could lose credits that they've already gained. Oh, wow. And and because we say we're sick, we just can call in and be like, I'm sick. And, you know, we don't come in. Nothing. No one takes away our leave. No one does pay that. any money back either. Oh, I'm going to no. you know dock you for yesterday's pay if you don't show up. That's not cool. right. That is not happening in the real world. And the whole point is rehabilitation is show what will happen in the real world. That doesn't happen with them. And remember, we can just call and say we're sick. They can't do that. There are steps to have to prove that I don't feel well enough to work today. So there's no autonomy. And so we do want to get our, you know, people who are incarcerated and, and justice involved, we want them to get to a point of rehabilitation, which reduces recidivism, which allows them to integrate back in their family and reduce the trauma that incarceration has, not only on the individual, on their family, on their neighborhood, on their community. 
Well, Assemblywoman, uh, I know you're very busy and, and thank you for squeezing me in and, and talking to me today. Uh, if there's anything else, any other issues you want to make sure that Californians or District 11 folks uh, need to be aware about? Well, I just want to make sure District 11 knows that I am absolutely here for you. And despite the health challenges, we have a great team um, who are just intimately involved in making things happen. Even on, you know, with, with chemotherapy, you have good days and bad days. And even on my bad days, know that we are working really hard for you. And although this is a temporary season, I'm glad to be able to serve you for as long as I possibly can and doing the good work to ensure your quality of life is improved. I thank you very much. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, and again, all the best to you, your family. Uh, shout out to Tyler. Tell him I said hello. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We're about to be grandparents. You know, he's I, having no, a baby I saw I'm that. So Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Excellent. 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 Well, Assemblywoman Lori Wilson, I want to thank you for appearing on the Edric Show. As always, you bring insights and um, you're so forthcoming. And I really appreciate that. And th again, thank you for taking time today. Thank you. I appreciate you. You're welcome. This has been another edition of the Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Help us grow this thing. And I bring you this content each and every week. Thank you for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode.